And just to say, it is lovely to be here. And I know Pastor's very excited about this Bible study and what God has been doing and just the response from all of you and the discussion. And he's always telling me about it. Unfortunately, we live about an hour and a half from here. Uh, so it's not possible to get up uh, midweek. We are part of Bible studies in our area, but we're not able. I lead a, a Zoom Bible study on a Monday night, um, and we're, we also um, have taken part in other Bible study in the area. But it, we would love to come up on a Wednesday night, but it's just not possible uh, for us with the distance we live away. Um, so it's great to be here. It's good to, get, to see what God is doing and to get to be a part of it, okay? So we're here in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're really going to focus on verse 14 and 15. But the book of 1 Peter was written to, it says in chapter 1 and verse 1, it was written to believers who were scattered across Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, So these were believers in different areas, and they were suffering. They were going through a difficult time. In fact, all believers in the Roman Empire in the first century were having a really difficult time. Um, basically, uh, they had been blamed for the burning of Rome. You see, this is a famous painting of Rome burning. And they'd been blamed for that. So the culture was against them. People really hated Christians. Uh, they found it difficult uh, to get jobs sometimes. Uh, people were very unfriendly towards them. And it was a hard time to be a Christian. You know, we think it's hard, uh, you know, in Western society in 2022 to be a Christian. I think it was even harder for the believers that Peter is writing to um, here in First uh, Peter. And obviously there's believers across the world that are facing opposition just like the believers uh, that were scattered across these areas uh, were. But amid all this, Peter gives them some simple commands, and we're really going to focus on the second one. But I, I want to read for you um, 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to start in uh, verse 14, and I'm going to read down um, through the end of verse 16. And it says this, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. And like I said, there's two commands um, in this passage. You can kind of see them on the slideshow. The, the first command, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, there in verse 15. And then the second command, be ready always to give an answer. And so we want to unpack those two commands tonight, find out what do they mean, and then we'll talk about it in the discussion groups, how to actually work this out in our lives. And I have to say this, I really think the real work will be done in those discussion groups as we talk about uh, you know, what this means and how we put it into practice in our lives. And I think we'll all be a blessing to each other as we just share what God's doing in our hearts and as we try to work out um, how to do that. But let's just ask God to help us um, and then we'll look at these commands together. Lord, I just thank you that we can be here together. I thank you that I can be here tonight. 
Um, God, we praise you for every person who's made the effort to come out tonight to hear your word, to study your word. And God, we need your help. You know that we love you. Lord, you've saved us and you're at work in our lives. Um, but Lord, we still have room to grow. And Lord, I, I really think the group gathered here on a Wednesday night, Lord, these are people that love you, that want to grow. You're using their lives in a remarkable way. Lord, I just pray that you would build us up in your word. Lord, that you'd give us uh, some truth that can encourage us and help us and challenge us, Lord. And Spirit of God, we pray that you'd help us to understand. And Jesus, we just stand against the evil and we pray you'd have no ability to distract us or to stop us from hearing what you want us to hear tonight. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first command here is to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. To sanctify the Lord God. Now, sanctifying the Lord God in your hearts is the opposite of what it says in verse 14. Look at this. Verse 14, um, it says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be, and notice the last phrase, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Okay? That last phrase is actually the opposite. So on the one hand, you have um, being afraid of their terror and being troubled. And the opposite of that is to, whatever it means, to sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Okay? Now, it's interesting. This is, I've put it up on the slideshow here. But um, this is actually a quotation from Isaiah. The end of verse 14 is a quotation from Isaiah. And here's what the whole passage says, uh, verse 12 and 13. It says, do not say, it's up on the screen here, a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. But notice this, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And this is a passage, interestingly, that is talking about fearing God rather than fearing people, okay? The prophet Isaiah was sent with a message that people didn't want to receive in Israel. And he was having a hard time of it. You know, people were rejecting him. They were, you know, saying, oh, this is a load of rubbish. Um, and God says to him, he said, don't be afraid of them. But he said, rather, the Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. It's very similar uh, phrase to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So the opposite of sanctifying God in your hearts is being afraid, is being troubled. Okay. Now, we're talking tonight about natural witnessing, because as we get into verse 15, it's a very famous verse about uh, sharing the good news about Jesus. Okay. It's a very, very well-known verse. I think it's one of the clearest verses that helps us to know what God wants us to do in sharing the good news about Jesus. But one of the biggest obstacles we face is fear, right? We're afraid to talk about Jesus. You remember when you first got saved and you told everybody about Jesus? Or you, you told a lot of people? And after a while, if we're not careful, we recognize not everyone's as excited about this as I am, you know? And we become fearful. I experience that. Everyone experiences that. Um, so sanctifying the Lord God in your heart is really important because it helps us to overcome fear. So what does it mean? To sanctify the Lord God in your heart 
It helps to understand the word sanctify. You may know this already. But sanctify means to set apart. To set apart um, as different. Um, Some other translations put it this way. um, Set apart Christ as Lord. You know, revere Christ as Lord. And the point is, is that we're we're setting apart God as different. His greatness has arrested my attention. I understand he is beyond me. He is altogether other than I am. He's superior to me. He's the one and only true God. That's what it means to sanctify God in your heart. When we are sanctifying God in our hearts, God is big. Jesus is big in my heart and people are in their right place. So I'm not afraid because I'm focused on God. I'm focused on Him. And that's the idea here. Uh, You know, the idea is simply that, you know, God is not just a God, but He is the God. He's the one and only God. And I know that sounds so simple, but how often we go through our life and it's easy to get our focus off God and we become afraid and God seems very far away and very small. And we need to take time to focus on Him. You know, worshiping God is serious work. And it is a very important part of our Christian life to truly worship God, um, to recognize who He is. And it's, it's so important that to some believers who are suffering here in 1 Peter, Peter points that up. He says, you need to sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Now, there's a lot more we could say about that. But think about this. If we look at God long enough and if we worship Him, if we recognize how great He is, if we take the time to focus on him through his word, if we worship him long enough, we will not be afraid of those who oppose us. And we won't be afraid, even though we're going through trials and difficulties. God will give us peace. And in fact, that's what it says uh, here in uh, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And it's amazing what keeping God before our eyes can do in our hearts and our lives. It gives us peace. It takes away fear. You know, the opposite of troubled is peace. And God can give us peace. Um, Now, what's the second command? Let's get to the second command here. The second command is this. If you notice, the second part of verse 15, it says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So that's the second command, is be ready always. The word ready there, it's the idea of being prepared. This I found this very interesting. You know, we've been going through the Gospels on Sunday mornings. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke, uh, particularly, and the stories about Jesus. And when you get to Mark chapter 14... Um, Jesus tells the disciples to go and get ready for the Last Supper. They're to go to find the upper room, uh, to pay whatever charge is going to be to rent that. They get all the food ready. And Jesus uses that word, the same word. He says, go and get ready for us to celebrate the Passover. Okay? So it's a very practical thing. And what Peter is saying here is that um, we need to be ready always we need to be prepared. In other words, we need to prepare to answer. 
Okay, we need to be prepared. Notice the second thing he says is be ready always to give an answer. You know, up on the screen you can see this is a barrister. And uh, he's making, making the case for his, the, the person who's accused of a crime. And he's making this case uh, for this person. It's actually, it was a very high-profile uh, case. But what a barrister is doing there is they're trying to present a defense uh, for somebody who's you know, accused in the wrong, uh, usually is the idea. And they're pr- trying to pr- pre- present a defense. And that's the idea here. It's a reasoned defense to speak on behalf of oneself or of others against accusations presumed to be false. In in a real way, um, as believers, we need to find some way of getting ready to answer those who ask questions about our faith, uh, particularly about the hope that's supposed to so characterize our lives because we've been born again and Jesus and eternity are our hope. And we're to get ready to do that. You know, uh, this guy, uh, when he came to court that morning, you know, he didn't, you know, shamble into the courthouse and sit down at the desk and look at the papers for the first time. No, he'd been studying. Now, I know there's some solicitors that do that, okay? But he, you know, he would have poured over the case and reviewed all the documents because he wants to do a good job defending his client, you know? In the same way, you and I as believers, if we're going to do a good job of answering for Jesus, there's going to be some active preparation that is going to go on. And we'll talk about how to do that in a minute. But it's an active thing. We need to prepare a defense. I believe that uh, we can prepare in two ways. Two simple ways. Okay, first of all, and this is kind of comes to our mind almost immediately, is that we need to prepare informationally. You know, you ever have someone ask you a question about Christianity and you didn't know how to answer it? If that's ever happened to you, put up your hand. And one up both hands. That's happened a lot to me, okay? Happens a lot. People will ask just a corker of a question and you do not know how to answer it, okay? And, you know, and the Lord knows that sometimes we do the best we can to answer and we can be a help to that person, okay? Sometimes when we don't think we do, did a good job, we may have said something that really helped that person. We may only find that out later or in eternity. But if we are going to answer, give an answer for the hope that is in us, we need to prepare informationally, okay? Uh, Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. A righteous person prepares to give an answer, Okay? And that's true of a person who's trying to talk to people about Jesus. Um, how do we do this? Well, here's a, a few ways uh, that I think we can do it. This is so simple, but just read your Bible with a heart to grow. Read God's Word. You know, what's so exciting to me is that every believer in Jesus Christ who's born again and has the Spirit of God living in them can understand the Word of God. Now, we're all growing in our understanding. I'm amazed by how much I don't understand about the Word of God, you know. I'm still growing in my understanding. The more I read, the more I, I say, well, that's great, and I get that, but I don't quite get that bit, you know. Don't understand that. We're all growing. But with God's help, we can all understand the Bible, and we can grow, okay. And one of the most important ways to prepare informationally 
to give an answer for the hope that is in you is simply to read your Bible. But always we should be looking for truths to defend our faith. And when we are stumped with a question, we need to go back to the Word and look for answers to answer that person. One of the great things about a church is that we can compare notes. We can ask each other questions. And we can say, hey, you know, I got this question this week. How would you answer that? And somebody else may be able to give some insight on that, you know. Um, That's the exciting thing about the body of Christ and how we work together um, as a church. Another simple way um, is to share uh, truths that have helped you, okay? If somebody's asking you, why do you have such hope? Tell them some of the truths that anchor your soul. You know, what helps you get through your tough times? Those things, I think, will be more compelling than some theological answer very often. You say, well, I was going through this dark time in my life, and I understood this about God, and it changed everything for me. That can be more helpful uh, to people. Now, I believe there is a place for what we might call apologetics, you know, as a reasoned defense of the Christian faith. You know, why is there suffering? Is there a God? People ask these questions. There are people out there that are spiritually interested, but they have serious questions. And we, as a church, we need to be endeavor to answer those questions. And that's what apologetics is. Um, also, simple evangelism training. I know I work with Faith on Fire, and um, we just, I just finished leading an evangelism training course uh, with the church up in Tullamore. And it's brilliant. Just, it's very simple. It's not rocket science. It's just very simply how to share your story and how to share the basic truths of the good news about Jesus. And then some strategies for um, getting to know people and, and developing opportunities to share uh, the good news. But evangelism training can help. It's, it's a simple thing, but it can really help us to be able to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Now, We don't need to just prepare informationally. We also need to prepare spiritually. Spiritually. Because we can know it all up here and yet not really help people who are asking genuine questions. Now, this is a verse uh, from Matthew chapter 21. And you you remember the passage. Uh, Here in Matthew 21, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. It's shortly before... um, he goes to the cross and he says this. He says, you know, your bad times are coming and you're going to be brought before kings and magistrates in my name. And here's what he says to him. He says, therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. And this is so simple but we're, we don't need to just prepare informationally. We need the help of Jesus himself to know how to answer people. You know, sometimes people, no matter how much you know, somebody will come and answer a que- ask you a question and you won't know how to answer it. And it's in those moments that we need to rely on Jesus. And I love this promise. Jesus promised us that when we answer for him, He will help us. He will give us wisdom what to say. And, you know, as I look at this verse, it almost seems like Jesus saying, don't prepare informationally. Well, obviously in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, be ready, be prepared, okay? And the word of God does not contradict itself. 
So as best I can understand, what Jesus is saying is, you need to depend on me, not just on what you know. You need to depend on me when you answer for me, okay? And so we need to be prepared spiritually. I think that's something we can do every day. Say, Jesus, will you help me today? Will you give me wisdom? Will you give me strength? Will you fill me with your spirit? If I have the privilege of speaking for you today, will you help me know what to say? Because we can have a huge impact in that way. Now, it's interesting too um, that this passage that we're looking at tonight is very much focused not on creating opportunities, but responding to the opportunities that will come. Okay? Um, What I mean by that is there are people all around us that are empty and God is at work in their lives. And as they look at real-life Christians like you and me, they're going to see something that's different about us. And the best opportunities we are going to get are those people asking us questions. And I, I found this over the years. You, you have probably about 30 seconds to say something interesting, you know. You know, don't, don't kind of drone on about some obscure point. You need to hit them with something real. And I think the realest thing a lot of times you can hit somebody with is your story, how you came to Christ. And then if they're still with you, talk a little bit about what it means uh, to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Um, But if we will respond to the opportunities that we do get, uh, those are the most powerful opportunities. Now, listen, we need to create opportunities as well. Uh, Right now, uh, I'm doing some outreach in Wicklow Town. I'll be out there tomorrow. And I'm meeting perfect strangers and I'm talking to them about Jesus. And it's great. You know, it's scary. It's terrifying. And, but it's exciting to see what God is doing. Um, and, you know, sometimes we have to create opportunities. But we must not neglect the natural opportunities that are going to come to us because we're Christians. As we work with people, as we are with people who are unbelievers, questions are going to be asked. And the most powerful opportunities that we will have are when we get to answer those questions. So this is what this is talking about. Now notice what it says there. It says, be ready always. That's the hard bit. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm ready. But sometimes I'm having a bad day and I don't want to talk to people about Jesus. But by God's grace, let's be ready always. It's a tall order, but be ready always. What Pastor said a few weeks ago really challenged me about Simon. You know, Simon from Cyrene, which is in Africa. Uh, Simon was called to carry, he was coming in uh, to the city from the country, and he was told by the soldiers to carry the cross of Jesus, okay? And later on we find, uh, well, actually in Mark, it records that he was the father of Rufus and Alexander. So it seems that these two men were his sons, and they had become believers, and they were well known in the first century church. So whatever, you know, we, the Bible doesn't record what passed uh, between Jesus and Simon in that moment. Presumably Simon had never met Jesus. But Simon later became a believer in Jesus. I wonder, did Jesus say something to him? You know, he definitely um, spoke to the thief on the cross, didn't he? He took the time in the midst of his suffering to tell that thief how to come to Jesus. And that so challenged me. You know, if Jesus, when he's, he's carrying the cross, he's been whipped, he's going to die on the cross, if he could say something to Simon, well, Lord, help me to be ready always. 
Lord, by your grace, help me to be ready to answer those questions. Um, I have a friend near where I live in Tinevi, he lives in Kuwaboy, and he came to Christ uh, by meeting a guy from the north that was away from the Lord, um, but he was a believer. And my friend Martin asked this guy, you know, what's different about you? And he began to share the gospel almost through gritted teeth because he wasn't walking with God himself. But, you know, Martin wouldn't leave him alone, so he started witnessing to him. Martin's a believer now. His family are following Jesus. You know, God's changed our lives. And that was through somebody who reluctantly shared the good news about Jesus. They were struggling in their own life, but they witnessed to this man. So let's be ready always. Now, the audience that we are to be prepared to answer, notice what it says, we're to be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Now, hope is not like we think of. Uh, it's not like a, a hopeless wish or an unlikely wish like, we're going to win the lotto, you know, um, or West Brom are going to win the premiership, you know. I mean, <laughs> okay, we don't, we don't want to open that can of worms, though, yeah? Okay. But, you know, some obscure team's going to win the premiership. I hope, you know. When the Bible talks about hope, it's not talking about an unlikely wish like that. It's talking about a confident expectation. What that word means, and it's there on the screen, is to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. So when the Bible says we're to give an answer for the hope that is in us, we are people who are possessed of a steadfast hope. And really, our hope is Jesus Christ. Our hope is Jesus. You know, we sing that in church, don't we? Jesus is my hope. And our hope is eternity as well. You know, that this, what we are experiencing in our lifetime and, and physical life, is not all there is. That we will spend eternity with God in heaven. That's our hope. Okay, that's our hope. And it changes life for us. It changes life. But, you know, this assumes that we are people, our lives are characterized by hope, even amid sufferings and trials. And that's supernatural. Look, we're human beings. When we go through difficult times, it's hard. You know, some of you in this room tonight, you are, are, have faced and are facing extremely difficult stuff in your life. It's not easy. But what God is saying here that as Christians, even though we might be facing challenges, that there should be a hope in us. There should be a confident expectation, but I've got Jesus and I'm going somewhere. I'm going to heaven and there's hope in us. And that hope especially when we go through difficulties, can be such an impacting testimony to those who are unbelievers around us. And a lot of times it'll provoke those questions. What is with you? What keeps you going? Like things are going wrong in your life and you still have some hope. Um, it is amazing testimony to others. You know, it also assumes, and this I think this is very true for us in Ireland, but it's possible sometimes Christians can kind of get withdrawn from a world that's lost and, and those who are unbelieving. It's very hard to do in Ireland because there's not a lot of us as believers. And we end up, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with those that are not yet believers in Jesus all the time. But, you know, 
it's important that we do that. Uh, you know, to give an answer of the hope that is in us, that assumes that we are with lost people enough in natural settings that they can observe our life. You know, we should be with people that aren't believers so that they can see the hope that is in us. You know, if we never spend any time uh, with people that aren't believers, how are they going to see the hope that is in us? We have to take the time. Um, you know, Jesus had friends that weren't believers. Jesus had friends that were notorious sinners. He spent time with them. Why? Because he, he, here's what he said uh, more than once. He said, they that are whole don't need a doctor. They don't need a physician, but those who are sick. And he said, you know what? I haven't come to call the self-righteous or those who think they're righteous to repent. I've come to call the sinners, you know. And you and I, we need to be with people uh, that are unbelievers um, so that they can see the hope that is in us. Now, two quick things and we're done. We'll go to the um, discussion time. Uh, the, really, the rest of the passage gives us three qualities of how we should answer. We should give an answer of the hope that is in us. First of all, it says, uh, notice, with meekness and fear. The word meekness the idea is gentleness, courtesy, doing so in a respectful way, okay? Uh, gentleness and courtesy. The word fear um, is a word that is used in different ways, but it, it, here it's not talking about pure terror, you know, that we should do so in terror, but it's rather talking about uh, reverence or respect for the person that we are answering, okay? And that is so needed that when we talk about Jesus to people and we share the gospel with people that we do it with gentleness and that we do it with respect. Because if we are um, aggressive and arrogant, you know, that makes the way that we're presenting the message sometimes the offense. The reality is we need to share truth and I think we need to be bold and we need to be clear, but we need to do so gently. That's what God is telling us here. We need to do so gently and with respect. And then notice also it says in the beginning of verse 16, having a good conscience. And this is so important. Um, in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, um, Paul said this, he said, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Paul's goal was that he would not um, have any offense in his conscience toward God, that he'd be right with God, but also that he wouldn't have any offense in his conscience toward people, okay? And the idea is this, is that our public behavior before the lost should honor Christ. It should honor Christ. It really undermines our trying to share the message if there's obvious sin in our lives. You know, we can speak maybe very persuasively about how people need to come to Christ, but if our life is a total contradiction of the message of the gospel, people are not going to listen. People are not going to listen. And it's important. And, of course, the rest of verse 16 goes on to talk about that. And, you know, really, let, let the message of the gospel offend if it must, but let it not be our sinful life. And I know that we are all a work in progress. We are growing. But I think we should all make Acts 24, 16 our goal. But God's grace, I'm going to have a conscience void of offense, without offense, toward God and toward people, that I would be able to share uh, the gospel. And, and we're done here, but remember, 
the qualification for talking about Jesus here in the beginning of verse seven, uh, 16 is not intelligence. It's not having a wonderful personality. It's simply that as best you are able, you're living for God and you're willing to answer and talk about Jesus. God can use every one of us. I just love that. You know, I don't have to be the smartest person around to be used greatly for God in telling people about Jesus. I don't have to have a great personality. I just have to be right with God as best I can and then just talk about him and answer the questions um, that come my way. So I've put out some questions there. And so what we're going to do is just get with those on your table and uh, let's talk about uh, these points, okay? These are questions, again, are just kind of suggestions uh, maybe you want to go a different direction with it, but let's try to spend about 20 minutes um, talking about what this passage means and how we're going to put this into action in our lives, okay?